when you build an environment where people can really truly be who they are, what you're essentially doing is inviting um, authenticity into the room. You're inviting a high trust component into the room. You're also inviting you know, a chance for people to really connect. to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We have a special guest today. Kong Shang is with us. This is episode 119, and it's titled Walking the Talk, Strategies for Building a Diverse and People-First Culture. Of course, it is the topic of the day, diversity, equity, inclusion. Kong has many years of experience with working with senior leaders and teams to help get that right, to build those cultures of diversity, equity, inclusion. He also is here to talk about leadership, talking about empathy and vulnerability, especially around the DEI topic. This is going to be a rich and juicy conversation of the many ways that you and your team members can learn to lead differently, create that psychological safety that the teams are craving, and ultimately have the team engagement that you desire. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are so excited to be back. And I had a chance to talk to our guest today, Kong Shang, who uh, we chatted just a week or two ago, had a great conversation, and I knew within the first five minutes, this <laughs> is somebody we want on the podcast. Uh, he's bringing over 10 years of experience in leadership development, management consulting, and he has worked for some of literally the world's top leadership development companies. Mm-hmm. So he's seen what works. He's seen what doesn't work. Uh, he, he's got an expertise in so many areas, including diversity, equity, inclusion, employee engagement, strategy execution culture transformation, organizational effectiveness. Wow. You're going to hear right away, Kong brings a lot of wisdom to this topic. And you're no surprise here. There's certainly going to be a river of people first flowing through this conversation. <laughs> so sure. welcome, Kong. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff and Craig. Appreciate both your time and appreciate me being here, uh, you know, sp- spending uh, this wonderful day with both of you. Yeah, great to have you. So, Khan, give us a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, so aside from what you've read, um, you know, my love for people uh, really stemmed from um, when I was back in, in, in high school uh, at 14 years old, volunteering in the community, um, really giving back to uh, people in need and really um, seeing the struggles and finding ways to really solve um, their problems. And... Um, you know, that volunteer work led me to um, major in psychology, uh, where I really wanted to understand human behavior and how that shapes people, their mindset, um, and find ways that, um, you know, I can um, leverage their abilities to to help improve communities. And so um, it's been um, 
a journey having to be in the human resources space, uh, <laughs> in various aspects of leadership development, as you said, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, which is really about people, putting people yep. first. Um, and when, <clears throat> what I've realized is that when you put people first, um, you build a culture where, um, you know, the business drive, it leads to innovation, it leads to, it leads to um, you know, uh, revenue increase and um, employees are more engaged and happier. And so um, it's been a, a, a phenomenal journey and couldn't be happier being anywhere else. So Kong, uh, let's let's jump right into the issue. Talk about, let's talk about the gap. Where do you see the gap between uh, intention and execution when it comes to people and organizations? Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, I think intention is really about where do you see yourself um, the next five, ten years? Like, what is that that you know? What is that purpose? Why are you doing it? Um, and then, you know, the, the strategy is how do you get leaders to think about um, or in plan um, in the next five to 10 years, how to get there. So it's really about the why and the how. So when you have the why figure out, the how is a, a bit easier to figure yes. out. Um, and so um, what I've seen with business leaders is that they may have the right intentions but the strategy is, is, is wrong. Maybe right. uh, they don't have the right people in place um, or they don't have, um, you know, the, the appropriate tools um, necessary, the ability to uh, think strategically um, or even uh, adapt to the uh, ever-changing dynamic of the business and the market. So let me drill a little deeper on that intention question. Um, what, what I often see is you've got leaders who, <laughs> really are committed i'll say not just intending but they're committed to get doing right with with their people mm. and as you said they're not they don't have the strategy right they don't have the how right and then there's also leaders who say they have that intention but <laughs> frankly they think they're already there there's a huge blind spot mm -hmm. so what have you seen that will help you know help leaders identify this blind spot and ultimately help them get past the blind spot to actually lead the way they believe they are leading yeah, two things. Uh, first is the leader has to have uh, self-awareness. And the second is that they have to uh, be surrounded by the right people. Now, my first point is, is so crucial because um, when you demonstrate self-awareness, you're, you're really using um, you know, feedback from people um, and reflection you gain along the way to improve on yourself and the business. And when you're surrounded by uh, the best people in the business, they help you become better. <laughs> and sure. yes, and these, and these people, your team, so you have to empower them, inspire them, and ensure that you're, you're, you care for them and that you empathize with them in order to ensure that they are doing the best work that they can to help you get to where you need to be. Yeah, so good. So when you look at that, the the aspect of actually caring about the people is one piece. And mm -hmm. then you're really talking about taking care of them so that they can perform at their best. So right. what are the, some of the ways that you see that people are doing that effectively? Yeah, that's a great question. So 
I think, you know, reflecting on my time at, uh, you know, at some of the companies I've worked at, I'd say that uh, an effective leader is someone who creates a psychological, uh, um, there's this concept of psychological safety, right? They create yeah, an environment totally. where people uh, can feel safe to be who they are. They can put their authentic self to work and um, knowing that they wouldn't be judged or mm-hmm. you know, be penalized for um, the things they do or say. It's really building a, cult- a culture and environment where um, people can trust uh, that what they're saying uh, will not hinder their 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 job or their performance. Gotcha. And create an environment where people can can feel free to make mistakes and learn from it and be creative. Um, that's where the the um, the juice is at. That's where yeah. the excitement is at. Well, that's where the innovation is going to come from too. Because if if you're not afraid of putting out your crazy idea, <laughs> then let it shine. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I've worked for, you know, I, I, throughout my career, I've had good and bad managers, right? Like everyone. Sure. Does, right? And, um, you know, I worked for a manager that just uh, wouldn't allow us to speak during meetings. I mean, she, she created an environment really? that, that was, um, it was about her and she wow. dictated the conversation in the direction of our, our conversations. And, um, always in the rush and, and so it didn't really allow the team to flourish by um you know contributing their ideas and be creative and, and be more of who they are and um you know of course you can guess how long i was there for uh, <laughs> people leave their managers right right and so you know what i often uh, say to myself is when you have a you know when you work for a bad manager don't be that manager be yeah, that's right. manager that you wish someone was for you. Yeah, and that's not your role model. Exactly, exactly. Be the role model for other people. You know, pave the way yeah. for for other people, and that's that's been my model. So one of the things that you talked about there was really self awareness, and um, Jeff is a is a coach. He deals with that often with a lot of people in helping them find their blind spots, but. You also talked about taking the feedback and oftentimes people don't get that much feedback. How does somebody know if they're really self-aware? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, um, you know, for someone who may be afraid to ask for feedback, because we all, you know, there are times, you know, I'm guilty of this, you know, where I don't want to ask for feedback because I don't want, you know, the honesty, (laughs) but you have to have, you have to build enough courage to ask because that is the, one of the uh, few ways that you can improve. And, um, and, and so I remember when early in my career, when I was afraid of asking feedback from my colleagues, I started with my family members. And that's a great way to, um, you know, build that courage is, you know, ask people, you know, your close friends, your family members, you know, what do they think of you just in general, just the question itself. And as you uh, get more comfortable learning, um, get more comfortable hearing what other people think about you, it becomes easier. And that translates yeah. to, you know, I mean, the, the personal experience translates to the professional experiences. So starting with your friends and family, and then it goes on to your colleagues and then your manager. And so, um, and think of feedback as, is a positive thing. It's a way to improve, um, on yourself. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be hard to hear, but 
um, at the same time, um, you have to also realize that people who care for you um, are the ones that give you feedback. If they don't care, they would not spend, you know, you know, five seconds, you know, right. giving you feedback. So it's something to appreciate. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about one of those elements a little more. You talked about an environment that's safe to make mistakes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and we found with so many people we talked to, there's such a blind spot there because positional leaders, every single one I've ever met, read about, listened to, all said they learn from their mistakes mm-hmm. and it's vital. Yet their cultures rarely create that safety for mistakes. <laughs> um so there's a huge disconnect there. And I, so I call that a massive blind spot. How did you see that show up? And what were some of the ways that people and organizations were able to get past that to actually create that culture where, yeah, it's, we'll make mistakes. Let's learn from them, though. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it really starts from the top and trickles down, right? Leaders have to be the role models. Um, leaders, they have to make mistakes and 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 show to the employees that it's okay. I, I make mistakes. We're all humans, and you know it's it's um, you know we'll, we'll we'll get through this. So when a leader demonstrates this behavior to employees and they see that, you know it it, it gives employees a chance to uh, follow suit. And, so vulnerability. I'm sorry. And and so. Um, you know, too often we have, you know, I've been in spaces where leaders, you know, they, they don't walk the talk, right? Yeah, so to speak. totally. They, they say something, but they act differently, right? For example, in the issue of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, a lot of companies are stepping up saying, you know, we, we believe in diversity, equity, inclusion. We, um, you know, we, they, 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 they put out a public statement out there, but then internally, um, you know, nothing gets done, Um they're, they haven't put enough budget to this division to hire a head of diversity and inclusion to help them navigate through these um, sometimes difficult conversations um, and or you know, you provide budget to create um, for resource groups. And so um, it's important that um, if you're going to build trust as an effective leader, you have to uh, essentially walk the talk, ensure that you are putting actions to where your, your mouth is. That is a, is a fascinating topic, the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and might as well get into that here. Uh, I'm, I'm actually fascinating because I'm watching a show now called Billions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's fascinating about it, and it's the first time in the history of television or shows, they have a main character who is non-binary. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how they are in their life. They are non-binary. Uh, they don't claim male or female, and they've got their pronouns, the they, their, them pronouns. It's fascinating to watch. And, and as I've shared this with some friends, a lot of them have given a response that I see leaders make, which is, gosh, it's so confusing. Why do they have to be that? <laughs> and so how, you know, where do you see that mindset show up? And how do you help leaders get past that? Because it's a very, to me, a selfish mindset. Like they're making it difficult on me. Why don't you just pick something that works in my language? 
So do you see that? And how do you help organizations and leaders move past that mindset? Yeah, so just to clarify, the mindset of... Um, the mindset that sort of people's differences are an inconvenience to me. <laughs> right. I mean, it seems like you say that out loud and go, well, hello. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm hearing it constantly from people. And I think it's a blind spot. They don't, they're kind of not really hearing what they're saying. Yeah. Right. So you play it back and they go, oh, wow, yeah, that's probably an issue. In other words, I don't care yeah. how, the, how they want to yeah. show up in life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So from an empathy standpoint, um, you know, I could relate that, you know, when we're, when we are working in an environment that is, you're essentially building a plane while you're flying it, where everything is running in over hundred miles per hour. Um, people just don't have the energy to stop and um, reflect and say, okay, so I need to adjust my, my thinking accordingly or pause and, and, and leverage some of my uh, brain power to understand where this person's coming from. So hmm. there's that. From a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint, how do you create an environment where people can open their minds and uh, reach out to the other person, um, seek to really understand what they're going through, what they're saying, or wh where they're coming from, uh, before uh, providing any uh, uh, or responding to that person. And so when I work with leaders, I, I often coach them through this concept of um, inclusive leadership, which is, you know, when you're a leader leading a division, it's of course not about you, it's about your teams and your people. And with that in mind, you also have to create an environment where people can feel free to contribute ideas no matter their background, no matter their right. perspective, because they are an employee of the organization mm -hmm. and they are a valued member of the organization. They are no longer, uh, you know, uh, part of, uh, they, they are part of the, the contribution. Um, there's this concept of um, stakeholder capitalism, um, which has translated, um, which has given employees voices into uh, and, and, and has allowed um, them to contribute their ideas to ensure that um, you know they have a voice uh, at the table. And so with that in mind, you have to ensure that you're reaching out, connecting with people uh, in a way that makes sense for them um, and really uh, getting them to be on the same uh, uh, point uh, when you're trying to drive change for the organization. Um, so that's, that's, uh, my short brief response to your question. Well, it's, it's obviously more complex. I mean, in some ways it's complex in some ways to me, it's simple. Like, yeah. I, I, like I, I, to me, this is that blind spot. If, yeah. if yeah. a leader says what I've, I just said, they're saying, which is why don't people, why do people have to choose that? Right. Yeah. That to me is dismissive. Right. There's no empathy in that. And it's a very self-focused it's hard for me. Keep it easy. It's yeah. kind of like saying, why don't, you know, why don't the foreigners speak better English? Right. <laughs> you know, you, you just go, did you just say that out loud? And, and yeah, I mean, that, that's for sure. That's for sure. We'll get that person to HR. for. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. But, but people, I think people say this and they don't realize what they're saying and that there's, 
there's a, now a core obstacle. Mm-hmm. I guess this comes back to that self-awareness piece. Right. Uh, and so you're working with leaders and organizations, and let's stay with DEI right now. Mm-hmm. What are you finding are the biz- biggest obstacles for them to make the changes they say they want to make? Yeah, I think I think the biggest obstacle right now is, um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion divisions not having enough budget to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. and that's because um, uh, you know they're not fully supported by uh, top leadership uh, within organizations, and the just the complexity and the amount of work that needs to be done in driving change within the organization and embedding DEI into all aspects of the organization it's a lot of work and a team of one is not going to solve that a team of three is not going to fix all of that you need to have um, the appropriate number of uh, of, uh, of of employees um, to 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 drive the kinds of change that's needed in you know, when it comes to, you know, getting people to change their behavior, their mindset, it's hard and it takes a lot of work and it's, uh, it requires patience. And, and so um, I think, you know, that's one of the uh, top issues that I see. Um, the second, I would say, um, is, is going back to my earlier point, not having enough manpower, not having enough uh, people to drive the kinds of change that's needed. Um, and again, it comes from the top down. Um, if, you know, an employee or a manager or director can be very passionate, um, can invest in, you know, um, over time to try to drive change. But if that person's boss or supervisor or um, an executive doesn't support the, the, the kinds of change that needs to happen, yeah. Then it's going to require some coaching sessions for that um, that that uh, that leader. And I just want to make another point to, to your previous question about like you know, you know why when our leader responds to let's say a transgender employee saying why does he or she need to be that that way? Um, as you can see, based on the 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 the, the, the language selected the choice, the choose, right? It's, it's, it seems like in his mind, it's a, it's a choice when really, um, it's really, you know, a biological um, issue um, or aspect, I should say. And so, um, you know, with these types of leaders, there has to be some coaching, um, coaching them through uh, and educating them on issues of, um, you know, transgender um, and um, tra- transitioning the workplace um, and so on, because um, that's that will definitely land that that uh, that company in, in a lawsuit that they don't want to be in. Um. <laughs> so there's two things that came up for me as you were talking. One is the you know who is on the DEI team that makes it effective. Um, do we exclude, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just saying, do we exclude white males and, and then everybody else is included in there? Do you want everybody in there? What does that team, what should that team look like? Because I, I realize we're, you know, oftentimes part of the problem. Yeah. So, I mean, for each organization, it's different. 
Um, it's it just depends on the make of the organization and the need of the organization um, and the size of the organization. So, I pri- uh, predominantly work uh, with mid-sized companies, so like um, you know, five hundred employees and up. And okay. um, for those companies, having a diversity, equity, inclusion committee that advises um, you know their top leadership team um, is is sufficient, but. Um, that's just speaking general terms because, you know, of course, each company operates differently um, and the structure is different. And so you could create a DI committee that advises the organization on uh, DI initiatives. Um, you could hire a head of diversity, equity, inclusion um, to help think through, um, you know, the, the landscape and how to embed DI uh, efforts uh, uh, within the organization, within the organization, another option you could create employee resource groups, which are or essentially affinity groups. Um, you know, these are composed of passionate um, current employees um, who love the organization and wants the organization to do good uh, internally and externally. And so they 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 volunteer their time, which I think is. And, you know, that's a separate topic, but they volunteer <laughs> their time. So they put in extra work except for what they're already doing um, or hired to do um, to cr- help create a culture um, that will um, please um, employees um, okay. company-wide. So those are just some of the options. Um, in terms of who's included, who should, you know, who should or should not be included, um, you know, when it comes to you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Inclusion really is the concept of um, really getting everyone into the same table and ensuring that their their voices are heard, right? Diversity is simply, um, you know, if you think about it, um, a meeting, right? Diversity is, uh, uh, you know, a meeting make up of uh, people of different race and, and, and gender and, and uh, religion and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, Inclusion is where um, all of them get to speak. They're included into the meeting. They have a, a, an idea they want to contribute. They're the more than welcome to do so. And then the concept of belonging is where I can say, you know, what I want to say, knowing that I'm being valued um, as an employee. And so for organizations to be successful, they have to have um, those components. Um, and so when I work with organizations, um, that are driving change um, as it relates to diversity and inclusion. Uh, they, you know, they have um, diverse equity inclusion committees, and, and within these committees, um, they have, of course, straight white men, um, you know, people of color, um, some that are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, um, people of different, um, you know. Demographic, and so it's important that all voices are being represented in order to create create the kind of change that you want to see. Okay. The well, the well, other part, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Craig. Uh, the other the other part that I was going to say is I, you you brought up something that I had never thought about before, which was oftentimes our response is in direct relation to the amount of time that we have to consider it, <laughs> and uh, I think that that is so brilliant that. If we're if we're going with our hair on fire, we we often don't take the time mm-hmm. to consider the other person's perspective, right? And how do you 
how do you suggest, especially when you were, you know, in the San Francisco area or around startups or things like that, that the speed of business tends to increase or it seems to be, but how do we get to that place where we, we still keep it human? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, um, you know, going back to our point earlier um, is you have to demonstrate self-awareness. You have to ensure that um, you are, um, you know, present mm -hmm. uh, in the moment and you're operating um, in a moment that um, will get people to pay attention to what you're doing. While at the same time, you have to be um, adaptable to these situations. When I work for uh, organizations that, you know, are moving at a very fast pace and, and then there, you know, there are some issues that require a bit more of my attention and time. It, for me personally, um, I step back, reflect and meditate. I think that really helps. Um, that's a skill that I think that a lot of, um, you know, business leaders need to have. Yeah. Um, because what it does is it really allows you to, um, you know, tap into, um, you're essentially uh, viewing yourself from the balcony mm. at play and then thinking strategically, uh, you know, how you would play um, in the future and how in, in, in the kinds of people you need to get involved in order to, to um, achieve a certain milestone and goal. And so um, it's really having that strategic mindset as well as the ability to adapt um, and um, also um, having that self-awareness, self the ability to really step back and reflect. Um, I think those are some of the components that are necessary to um, get people to, uh, to influence people, let's say. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Welcome back. Um, let's talk about, I guess, I'd say it's a micro issue, but I think it has huge macro impact. I was recently listening to a book and I can't remember what it was. And it reminded me of the importance of having some shortcuts in difficult conversations. And what they were talking about is like, if you ask people's opinion in, in a, in a, like but with the speed of life kind of thing, if you ask them over here as in an objective question, would you support this or not? Would you think this is a good or a bad thing? Would you want to step in? Most people say, yeah, I'd step in. I wouldn't let that happen. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, they typically will because they don't have a shortcut to get into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how often have you seen some of these shortcuts used, especially around DEI? I think you're using around other things. And I'll, I'll give you a quick example. Mm -hmm. uh, this is outside of DEI. Uh, let's say that someone is often not present and they say, I want to get better at it. Well, rather than me saying to Craig, if he, if Craig's the one on his phone saying, Craig, Hey, Craig, you're not here right now. Huh? What do you mean? Craig, You're distracted. Why are you on your phone? So I get this whole discussion 
a shortcut might be, hey, Craig, are, are you present right now? Because mm-hmm. we've agreed that that's language I can use. Right. It's mm-hmm. very short. Mm-hmm. That's some of the key. So have you looked at that at all about what is some language shortcuts to help encourage people to speak up to create the change that they mm-hmm. say they desire? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, for me, what I do is I, I, I often, when I'm engaging with people, right, that I work with, um, a simple check-in such as how are you doing allows me to tap into their current mindset <laughs> right. and in, 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 in get to know what is it that they're currently dealing with at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody has something, you know, like they're trying to put, you know, you know, put out a fire in the work in the workplace. And, and so you have to be mindful in terms of, um, you know, when you're engaging with people and how you come across, how you communicate. Again, going back to that whole self-awareness piece, right? Um, and, and when you ask that, that, that question, it, it, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, I, I get to uh, dive into their inner world and say, oh, wow, so that's what he or she's going through. That's, that's, uh, that's great. Uh, you know, I wonder if there's any ways, anything that I could do to help. Um, I think that effective leaders are those that are public servants, people who are, you know, uh, have the ability and capacity to help other people and be of service to other people. And so, um, so a quick check-in such as that uh, really does a lot with, um, you know, getting people to um, do the things you want them to do. Um, the other is, um, you know, just having small talks, uh, you know, at the office, um, in, this is you know pre um, before COVID. Um, when you just say a, a brief hello, just a quick chat, you're building that relationship, that trust uh, with that person, the report, right? And that's important to do in business because when you need something from them or you want to influence in a certain way, uh, they know they know you. And so, um, so I think that those are just two of the, the elements that that's on top of my mind as ways to influencing people, uh, changing behaviors. We haven't really talked a lot about COVID and some of the impacts of COVID. And one of the shifts that we know it has created is a much more expanded remote workforce. Mm-hmm. Whatever companies end up doing in the future, a lot of dif- challenging decisions right now. The reality is more people will be working remotely post-COVID than before. And my question is, how are you seeing that impacting people development mm. uh, thus far? And and what are you telling, how, what are you working with companies on to address that going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think, um, you know, I know that there are companies that are um, eager to, to have their employees report back to, you know, to, uh, you know, on campus and, and, um, that's probably a, a really good way for them to, um, you know, increase more value is by having employees on site. Uh, but I think that the best organizations are those that allow for flexibility in the, the, the power for offering employees, you know, an option to choose whether they want to work from home or on site. Um, ultimately, the best 
the very best organizations are those that um, that tap into the purpose and know where they're going, and they offer they offer flexibility um, to the employees, um, and as long as the employees are contributing to the mission of the organization and the direction which the organization is heading towards, then um, you know it's okay, it's fine. So. Um, you know, again, every organization struggles with this um, challenge of, you know, of COVID. You know, there's also the the safety concerns, right? Like, you know, how do you create an environment where people can feel like they're safe reporting to work without, you know, be concerned that they'll get infected. And, um, and so that's a, a major uh, topic. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other is, you know, can we operate like a normal business um, if our employees were to work remotely. Yeah. Well, there's no such thing as a normal business. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good point. Constantly changing. The market is constantly changing. And so the, the very best organizations know how to, they, they know what their purpose is. They, they know how to adapt accordingly to the change. And so that, those are just some things that I see. Yeah, good point. You, you've talked a little bit about, and several times you've mentioned psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways, that's a new concept, mm-hmm. at least that language. Uh, and if you look at generationally, I mean, <laughs> I suspect my, my father is 84 and ran his own business. And if I said, Dad, did you look out for the psychological safety of people? <laughs> He'd go, What? They were in the insane asylum? You know, maybe yeah. not quite, but what are you talking about? And we had a guest just the other day, Ian Adair, who was talking about mental health in the workplace. Yeah. What are you seeing in, in the space, in these mid-sized companies? Are, they, are leaders and organizations open to this concept of psychological safety? If they're not, what kind of resistance are you seeing? And where they are open, what are some of the specific things they're doing to create it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I work with leaders, I mean, it's a spectrum, right? We, I mean, I'm working with leaders that are uh, that don't know what a psychological safety is and are trying to be educated on it. And those that are in the middle and then those that are on the other end, which is, you know, I'm all for psychological safety. Let's create this environment. Let's, you know, I'll model, I'll demonstrate it to employees and get people to, you know, to be on the same, um, you know, uh, playing field that, that I'm in. Yeah. And so, um, well, you know, I, I think, you know, part of the, that is, has to do with uh, being comfortable with vulnerability. And totally. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with uh, Brene Brown's The Power of Vulnerability, um, which I highly recommend to anyone who is trying to create a more inclusive creative culture you know, and people can you know make make mistakes and and, and learn from it and not being you know penalized for for that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you know when you create an environment where people are are, are safe, right? Like they they're, they're they're it's okay to make mistakes. Um, we all do that, and it's part of the 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 the, the innovation is part of driving the business forward. It really allows. Uh, you know, I, I think magic to, to, to happen. Mm-hmm. It's where the excitement is at. Um, 
And for leaders that are resistant to this concept of psychological safety, um, you know, maybe perhaps, you know, they were at, at, at one point in their life been um, traumatized by, uh, by a certain life event or relationship. And so you have to, you know, dig a little deeper, you know, offer some coaching sessions and ensure that, you know, this leader uh, understands what that concept is and how, and how it shows up. Um, within his division or organization, but also working through maybe perhaps those personal struggles that he or she may have. Um, because we bring a lot of our, our, our baggage to work, right? And, um, and that impacts our, you know, how we develop relationships at work um, and in our, in our work in general. And so we have to ensure that we're working through those internal struggles in order to uh, build the most effective organization for, for our employees. Sounds yeah. like we need to have some bravery. Yeah. We need I mean, to encourage people courage. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, vulnerability is really about having the courage mm-hmm. to, to, to be seen 100%. And, um, you know, I've worked with some leaders that don't see it as that they see it the complete opposite. It's the sign of greatness. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they don't need yeah, to see who I am. Courage. What's that? Yeah. They don't need to see who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, you know, leadership has changed, and you know, at maybe 20, 30 years ago, um, you know, being vulnerable might get your, you know, get you fired. But now, I mean, leadership has changed, and people need that. People need to see that humanness, that that people first mentality. And um, so leaders, especially for leaders, they have to have that element um, of vulnerability. Um, it's what their employees are looking for. It's what the, the market demands in order to drive growth in business. And if leaders don't have that, they're going to struggle um, on the journey of being an effective leader. Do they have to like themselves first? Uh, yeah, part of that, yes, that's very important. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you know, again, you have to do the internal work, uh, build that self-confidence and really tap into, you know, that space uh, uh, of joy and, and, yeah. and peace and, and love for yourself. Um, and these things aren't talked about enough yeah. in the leadership space. Um, leadership is an inside out thing. It's a concept where it's, you know, what you feel in the inside is what you do on the outside. And um, I've worked with some of the best leaders in the world. Um, and those that I see are, are they have, you know, um, high self-awareness. Um, if they treat people with, with empathy um, and care, and they are a, a servant to their police. And those are the leaders that inspire organizations awesome. uh, to be better. John, you may have touched on this. And as we get near the end here, maybe this will be our, our final wrap-up question. You talked about how generations have changed. And it's easy to say generations, oh, we're going to talk about millennials and none. That's not what it's about. <laughs> to me, it's about the reality that most leaders today at more senior levels, just because of the, re- except for maybe startups, and they started them younger, mm-hmm. they never saw the kind of leadership you're talking about model. Mm-hmm. They never had a conversation about psychological safety. 
It's mm-hmm. a completely foreign language. Right. So I'm curious. I'm guessing you run into that regularly, that there's this is all new to them. Mm-hmm. What have you found to be the key message in the hope of having them be open to the importance of that? Mm-hmm. And we're saying that's the reality today. Do it or you're going to lose all your people. But you know what? They're not going to lose all their people. They won't. They won't mm-hmm. lose all their people. The question is, will they lose enough that it causes enough pain? So there's an obstacle of lack of experience with it. What have you found to be the key to d- dig into that obstacle? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, that's uh, another great question. I think it's um, it's it's creating a sense of inspiration. I think a lot of people, if they want to be happy in their job, if they want to create a culture where they they build healthy relationships, they have to understand that this this concept is is at the core of all of those elements. When you build an environment where people can really truly be who they are, what you're essentially doing is you're you're, um, inviting um, authenticity into the room. You're inviting um, a high trust uh, component into the room. You're also inviting... um, you know, a chance for people to really connect mm. to each other. And these are, you know, part of, you know, what's going to require soft skills to create, but they're also very important for the organization and for your health. Hmm. And, and you know, the job makes up, what, 70% of our time? I don't yeah. know, 60% or 40%, I don't know what the percentage a whole, it, bunch. It, it, it's a whole bunch. <laughs> we spend a lot of time at the at work. Why not um, build a, an environment where people can, you know, help you as a yes. leader drive the kind of change to reach the kinds of goals you want to maximize profit, you know, even increase your salary or build the kind of relationship you want. Um, these are all positive aspects. And so, um, you know, what I do when I work with, uh, these, you know, first-time leaders um, is really coaching them through, you know, the process of, you know, what does success mean to you? How does it show up? By asking these questions and the right questions and really get to know their mindset, you can really then apply the the necessary uh, solution um, to hopefully, um, you know, influence them and change them their their behaviors in a certain way that will, um, you know, be successful for them and their their teams. Outstanding. Well, thank you, Kong. Thank you for all that you've shared and that you brought to us and our listeners today. We always want to give our guests a chance to highlight anything in particular you want to promote today for you personally or professionally. Yeah. Again, thank you, Jeff and Craig. Both of you have been amazing throughout this. Uh, this podcast uh, episode. I appreciate your time. Uh, people can find me. I've, I'm a podcaster as well. So people can find me on the Purpose Tune podcast. Uh, if you Google it, you'll find it. I'm on Apple um, Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my first name is Kong, K H O N G. Last name is Shong, X I O N G. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. It's my uh, first name underscore last name 
uh, and I'm also on Facebook. Uh, so I hope that your listeners will find this episode helpful and that they'll be able to connect with you. Wonderful, Kong. We always wrap up with one of our questions. And the, and the question I want to ask you today is about role models. Mm. Who is a key le- leadership role model for you and, and what made them so key for you? You know, I would say uh, I haven't met him personally. I've seen his videos uh, on TED Talk on YouTube, but Simon Sinek, he talks about uh, purpose and, uh, and the, the why. Uh, why do we do what we do? How do we influence or inspire uh, organizations um, to lead more effectively? And so um, I think that he speaks a lot to my generation, to the current challenges that we're going through. Um, if you think about it, you know, the baby you know, boomers will retire you know, and you know, our generation, my generation will be the next leader. And so we have to ensure that we're equipped with the right you know, uh, mindset, tool set, you know, skill set to really uh, lead effectively. And so um, he's the, the one guy that I thought uh, I like. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kong, and thanks uh, for the work you're doing in the world and bringing this uh, powerful message to the people that you serve and that, in turn, those that they serve. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.